save can win it. Paul Mary against Gustafson. Save Gustafson! And it's another one goal win for the Wild! 7.03 on a Thursday. Happy Thursday, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Halford and Bruff of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura Dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. We do have a hockey game tonight. It's the Kings in the Wild tonight, 7 o'clock from Rogers Arena. Canucks in the Wild, even. What did I say? Kings. Ooh, Canucks in Wild. This is your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. How did I get Kings in my head? That's Angling funny. for a job in L.A., apparently. That'd be great right about now. This is your home of the Canucks Sportsnet 650. Hour two of this program, we're in the midst of it. Joe O'Donnell, play-by-play voice of The Wild. Yes, The Wild is going to join us tonight. Uh, Halford and Breath of the Morning, hour two, is brought to you by North Star Metal Recycling. Vancouver's premier metal recycler pays the highest prices on scrap metal. North Star Metal Recycling, they recycle, you get paid. Visit them. 1170 Powell Street in Vancouver. We're coming to you live from the Kintech studio. Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. Canucks Wild tonight, 7 o'clock, Rogers Arena. Our next guest will be on the call. Radio voice of the Wild, Joe O'Donnell, here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Good morning, Joe. How are you? Mike and Jason, thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for taking the time to do this. We appreciate it. So a quick glance at the Minnesota Wilds record over the last few games. And the story really is a lot of wins, six in their last seven, and a lot of them by the slimmest of margins. I think almost every one except one game was a one-goal victory. And uh, that's very important at this time of the year. You need to be able to win those tight games. How have the Wild been able to do it? Well, during the seven-game point streak um, and really the last ten games, you hit on it. Nine of the last ten have been one-goal games. Um, the one win that you just referenced during their little streak here that hasn't been by one goal was by a whopping two nothing score in Columbus. Um, <laughs> it's just been uh sort of white knuckle defensive minded hockey for Minnesota lately, which is really a one eighty from last year. If you guys remember a season ago the Wild had their best year ever, fifty three wins, hundred thirteen points, three hundred and five goals, the most uh they've ever scored. They're winning games come from behind fashion, 6-5, 5-4 every night. And they can't score really much at all right now, but they're playing a better brand of defensive hockey. They're getting great goaltending, uh, specifically from Philip Gustafson. So this has been a different stretch for Minnesota, and uh, but they're finding ways to win. So to your point, like, you know, as you get into April and potentially beyond, you want to be playing – um, a good brand of defensive hockey, and I think the Wild are doing that. The biggest question will be, ultimately, is there enough five-on-five scoring for this team? You know, it's interesting that you brought up how uh, offensively prolific they were a year ago, um, and usually when there's this significant a shift, there's either like a coaching change or a major roster overhaul, yeah. but none of that really in Minnesota. It's the same guys that were there last year, just playing a totally different style of hockey, and I think the important thing is, is that they're being successful with it this year. Now, you got to say, and you mentioned it, that a lot of this is predicated on the goaltending. And it's both guys that are really cooking right now because Fleury and Gustafson have been very good over the last little bit. Yeah, Gustafson has been just tremendous. I mean, really nobody knew about him. You know, at, at the draft, they trade Cam Talbot to Ottawa. They get 24-year-old Philip Gustafson who didn't play much and his numbers weren't great behind a you know somewhat leaky Senators team. Um, and his first few starts in Minnesota – 
uh, even training camp wasn't exactly pretty. Like, I don't think he was in the best shape from everything I gathered. His numbers weren't very good in the first couple of starts. And literally since, you know, the middle of November or whatever it was, he has been probably the best goalie in the NHL stats-wise. Now, he doesn't play every night because Marc-Andre Fleury is going to get a lot of starts. But lately, Philip Gustafson has been getting, you know, two out of every three starts. Flurry will get the nod tonight against the Canucks, so Vancouver fans won't get to see Gustafson. But if you remember back in December, uh, he shut out the Canucks here in this building. So he's been really good. Uh, way different style than Flurry. Gustafson's compact. He's calm. His pulse probably never gets above 80, whereas Flurry will make the flashy glove save, as everybody knows, future Hall of Famer, uh, the personality to go with it. So very differing styles, but. Um, been really good, Philip Gustafson, and, and Flurry found his game the last two times out. Now, granted, both of his starts came against Columbus. Say what you will about the Blue Jackets; um, they don't have the greatest lineup, despite the you know the fact that they are still in a lot of games. Um, so Flurry was able to get back-to-back wins uh, in Columbus, and then a few days later in St. Paul, uh, in what was a very oddly set up you know two games, only two times you play them in a four-day span. So the Wild have made a couple of pickups in Marcus Johansson and Gustav Nyquist, so a couple of forwards there. Um, do you expect Bill Guerin to make any more moves ahead of the deadline? Well, the way the trade, trade deadline's been going in the NHL, um, I would think there's you know something else coming, but the Wild do have a bunch of restricted free agents. They're going to have a tough time signing due to their salary cap. Uh, they have an unrestricted free agent in Matt Dumba, who – you know, as long as he's been with the organization and all that he's done for the franchise, I mean, it's kind of an odd situation. There's there's really no way they can sign him. I don't know what you could get for him if you wanted to move him. He is playing some of his better hockey the last week or so. And it's not often you see a guy just kind of play out the string somewhere he's been so long. But, you know, I haven't talked to Matt Dumba about this, but it's kind of like the elephant in the room where, you know, he's got 21 games left with Minnesota, maybe playoffs, and then there's a good chance that he just – essentially has no choice but to walk away. And um, so that's kind of a unique situation. So I don't I don't know if Bill Guerin's done. Um, Marcus Johansson will play tonight with uh, Matt Boldy and Jewel Eriksson-Eck. Gustav Nyquist is injured. Um, he hurt his shoulder late January, playing with the Blue Jackets against the Oilers in a sort of incidental collision with Jesse uh, Pugliarvi. So I think the hope is to get him back by the end of regular season. But um, Minnesota right now, again, they have some interesting decisions to make this summer, and I'm guessing that will sort of impact what Bill Guerin does. But I can't tell you the entire brass made this trip up to Vancouver and then ultimately Calgary over the weekend. So they'll have a, uh, a war room ready to go with assistant GMs, pro scouts, et cetera, um, the next couple of days. I don't think it's uh, any secret that Brock Besser, a Minnesota native, um, has been trying, uh, with the help of his agent, to orchestrate a trade out of Vancouver and one of the destinations he wouldn't mind going to is Minnesota. Now, you've mentioned all the cap constraints that the Wild already have. I I don't know if a deal there is going to be possible, but I'm just wondering if people are, are talking about Brock Besser at all back in Minnesota, if there's an appetite to see him on the Wild. 100% 100% it's being talked about. The Twitter sphere is mentioning it. You know, there's been athletic stories um, about that possible homecoming. I'm pretty sure Ben Hankinson's his agent, right? Um, yes, correct. And he, he, he made some comments that were, or had a few quotes in an athletic story that were a little, I don't want to say alarming, but certainly a little 
bit of overstepping the bounds, you would imagine, from an agent standpoint, like talking about other players on the Wild roster um, and, and saying that the Wild have some, you know, would need to kind of move some things around to acquire Besser. Honestly, guys, I just don't see it happening. There's just Minnesota has no wiggle room. Uh, the cap hits for Parisi and Suter, you know, those dead cap hits um, from the buyouts, they, they don't get any better. There's still two more seasons of them. Minnesota has to, you know, essentially have some players come up through the American League. They've got to have some of their prospects turn pro. Like, that's how the Wild the next couple of years are going to survive. They can't be taking on high-salary guys with term. Um, you know, the reason they acquired Nyquist, he's a free agent this summer. Like, if there's if there's a player out there that has term after this season, it really precludes Minnesota um, from acquiring them unless they're able to shed a lot of other salaries. So if there's a player that's coming up, you know, they have cap room this season. It's just a future years where they're kind of hampered. So I don't see Besser as a real possibility, but it's certainly being talked about. Minnesota fans, they love Minnesota players. They love guys that have played for the Gophers or, mm. or the Duluth Bulldogs or somebody who's born as they call it the state of hockey. And I don't blame them. It's a great place to um, to love the game and to grow with the game. And so anybody that's from Minnesota, uh, Wild fans are always looking to welcome back. So, Joe, one final question, and thanks for joining us today, by the way. Um, Minnesota is currently three points back of Dallas for first place in the Central Division, and if they can catch the Dallas Stars, they will probably avoid the Colorado Avalanche in the first round. Is it safe to assume that that is a goal for the Minnesota Wild to catch the Dallas Stars? It's a great question. Um, Ten days ago, two weeks ago. In fact, the Wild played the Stars, I think it was February 8th in Dallas. Dallas won the game 4-1, to one, and it put Dallas 10 points ahead of the Wild. And I remember that morning, Pete DeBoer was asked, like, hey, this is a game where you can really separate yourself if you beat the Wild. And He didn't want to really, you know, look into it or answer that, yeah, we're going to put the Wild in the rearview mirror, it's February. But he kind of did say, like, yeah, this is a big one for us. So they go 10 points ahead of the Wild, and now, as you said, like, I think Dallas has a game at hand. But Minnesota is right in the rearview mirror. You know, at the time, a couple of weeks back, they were battling for the second wild card spot with Calgary. So it's crazy how much has changed now that Minnesota's on the seven-game point streak. Dallas can't find a way to win. Winnipeg's sort of falling apart. Um, it's it's mind blowing to be honest that we're talking about a possible division title for a team that couldn't score and you know lost its first three games coming out of the All Star break, and now they have a real chance to win this division. So. I don't know that avoiding Colorado is uh, something that they would talk about the players. I think they just want to get in, given how rocky the season's been from a consistency standpoint and, and the way Colorado's playing, obviously, uh, getting guys healthy, getting guys at the deadline, uh, bringing in acquisitions like a Lars Eller to help kind of solidify them up front. So it'll be interesting. I think Minnesota's in the mindset with the way this team is, um, losing Kevin Fiala in the summer, not scoring a lot of goals. Like, let's just find a way to get in and hope that their defensive brand of hockey can carry them past the first round, which they haven't been able to get out of the first round in a few years now. Joe, this was excellent, bud. Thanks a lot for doing this today. We really appreciate it. Have a good call tonight. Uh, maybe we'll do this again as we get closer to the playoffs. Anytime. Thanks, guys. Take care. Thank you. Appreciate it. That's Joe O'Donnell, the play-by-play radio voice of the Minnesota Wild. On the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650, the Wild, of course, take on the Canucks, not the Kings, but the Canucks, 7 o'clock tonight at Rogers Arena. So there's some big news coming out of the NHL right Sportsnet now. Sportsnet 650, breaking news. David Pasternak has signed an extension 
with the Boston Bruins. It's eight years and ninety million total money. Ninety million dollars. Yeah, that's a cap hit of eleven point two five. It's good money if you can get it. Which is a pretty high cap hit, but I actually thought it might be a little higher. To be perfectly honest with you, uh, I think that's market value for Pasternak. Um, the only thing I was wondering about Pasternak was, and we had the discussion with Joe Haggerty, like I thought he'd re-sign with the Boston Bruins, and he has, but I wondered if he might look at the Bruins and if Patrice Bergeron does retire at the end of the season and David Krejci does retire at the end of the season, as many people have speculated, would he maybe want to just explore free agency and see if there was a place out there that fitted him more, if he wanted to change, but he's going to stay with the Boston Bruins. So where does this put him in terms of cap hits in the NHL? Well, below Connor McDavid at 12 and a half. And I think everyone's like, yeah, fair enough. Connor Mm -hmm. McDavid's pretty good. Um, and below Artemi Perrin and Austin Matthews, um, and just below Eric Carlson. So he's one of the highest paid players in the NHL and rightly so he's one of the best players in the NHL. Of course, the question in Vancouver becomes, how does this affect the market price for Elias Pettersson who can sign a long-term extension this offseason. Yeah. Petey still has one year left on the deal, but Petey can sign that long-term extension. So the Canucks could essentially, um, at some point this season, have Petey under contract for nine years if they choose to do that. Um, I don't think that negotiation is going to be easy, but I think this is one of the comps that they'll probably use. Uh, I Pedersen's an $11 million a year player. In the current landscape. Yep. You, you can balk at that. You mm-hmm. can say, no, it's too much. You can say whatever you want. The reality of it is uh, that's what it's going to be. That's what I kind of thought it would be before the Pasternak thing. I kind of agree with you that I thought Pasternak might get more. But I guess in a very weird – it's amazing to say this of a $90 million contract. But I think he might have taken a bit of a hometown discount. It's possible, yeah. Now, you got to remember – Yep. Boston is a unicorn. Boston is an anomaly. You can't really put what's going on there into context and try and relay it to other teams because David Krejci and Patrice Bergeron combined are a three and a half million dollar cap hit. Well, Brad Marchand is a bargain too. His cap is just just over six. Krejci, Bergeron, and Marchand right now mm-hmm. combined are less than $10 million on the cap. Just think about that for a sec. Well, I you? think it just goes to show how efficient you have to be in order to put together a Stanley Cup winning team. Think of the bargains that the Colorado Avalanche had last season with Nathan McKinnon not making close to what his market value was. Yeah. And guys like Nachushkin, you know, yep. and, and, we, and we've seen it in Tampa Bay too. Now, Tampa Bay has the advantage of their state income taxes. There's no state income tax. So you can you can sit there and say, well, you know, you might make nominally more in another market, but you're actually going to take home more in Tampa Bay. Which for is that why same they've number. got that sort of threshold. It's like yeah. no one gets above this nine million mark. But they've also got the argument where, you know, do you want to take less to stay on a good team and have a good experience in a good organization? And that's where the Canucks used to be. It's where the Canucks used to be. So, not too, not like a decade ago, they they'd be able to tell their players, "You want to take, you want to take a little bit less." And even the players were on board with it to the point where, you know, I'm sure the there were there were members of the PA that were like, "Hey, Kess, you know, like mm. quiet. 
Like we, we, we all want to get what we go out to get, but this is the advantage that winning teams and good organizations have. Now, uh, I do want to put this in context. Despite everything that I said about Pasternak possibly taking less or maybe not trying to hit it out of the park, he still absolutely hit this out of the park. Per Frank Saravalli, are, is that what you were going to go to? Are you talking about the details of the contract? Yeah, well, it's a $90 million just in terms of pure dollars and cash is the sixth largest deal in NHL history. So it's not like he didn't get paid. Any guesses on what number one is on that list? The largest contract? Yeah, and just in terms of straight dollars. Kovalchuk? Well, that one got rescinded. What about uh, Suter? Sh- Shea Weber. Oh, Shea Weber, yeah. $110 yeah, yeah. Million he got. should mention right. this deal also. Yes. A fold no-move clause for the first five years and then modified no trade for the final three years. So he'll be uh, there a while. Is there any anything on the bonus structure? Like, can it be bought out? They're still the trying end? to get the details on that. Yeah, yeah that's still coming. Also, I mean, you guys were talking about the, uh, the, the low <laughs> yeah. salaries in Boston and how people are playing, punching above their weight or their cap hit, we should say. They also have a $5 million goalie that will probably win the Vesna this year. That that helps as well with the that whole situation. Helps. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so that is the latest uh, news to come out of the NHL. I'm sure there's going to be uh, a few more news items over the next few days. Uh, by the way, tomorrow the Halford and Bruff show will go for four hours. Um, I don't know if we're just going to end up doing a lot of Ask Us Anything Fridays on it if all the players have been traded and all the big names are off the boards. But it's largely expected, largely expected, that the Canucks are going to make at least one more significant move. It might pan out. It might not. But we asked Frank Saravelli about that. Like, do you think they're still doing things? He's like, yeah, I do. And I thought he had a really interesting answer uh, when it came to JT Miller that the Canucks are open to trading JT Miller But it all brings us back to the question, how important is next season? And in Vancouver, usually the answer, actually almost always the answer is, it's important. So what Frank said is, if the Canucks are going to trade a player like JT Miller, they're going to need a center back that can step in right away and play. One of the questions that we were going to get to on this show was now that the Canucks have upgraded their defense with Philip Hronick, mm-hmm. does that pretty much mean that they're not going to trade JT Miller or Thatcher Demko? Now, I don't think the answer is necessarily, yes, it doesn't mean that they're not going to trade those guys. But I think it, I think it's obvious now that if they do trade those guys, it won't be a futures trade. And again, <laughs> Patrick Alvin and Jim Rutherford have been very clear that this is not a rebuild situation. It might have looked like they were veering into rebuild situation because they'd acquired the extra first-round draft pick, um, and that's rare in Vancouver. But they immediately, almost immediately shipped that first-round draft pick out that they acquired in the Bo Horvat trade for Philip Pronick. So if they're going to trade JT Miller, they're going to want something back somehow. It might not necessarily have to come in the JT Miller trade. It might be, you know, another trade, um, a connected trade where they bring back a guy that can play center and not a project, someone who can play center right now in the NHL. And if they trade Thatcher Demko, they're going to have a plan to bring a goalie, a starting goalie that can replace Demko. 
They are not going to tank. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't. I don't think either of those guys are going now. I think as if yesterday wasn't. Yesterday was symbolic. Are you talking about the deadline or ever? Deadline summer. No, I think I. I, I stand by what I said at the beginning I, of the show. I, I, I think Tristan Jari is still a possibility to come here. Uh, in the summer, sign as a free agent, and they trade Demko. I think what they're thinking is what I said at the beginning of the show: is that uh, Rutherford and Alvin sold an o- sold a vision to ownership and said, and again, I, I know this is rehashing for a lot of you that have heard this already, but for the, some of it might be new. They said, uh, "Look, here's what we did in Pittsburgh: we had Crosby, Malkin, Latang here." We have Pedersen, Miller, and Hughes. We can build around this team. We can build around those three. Plus, we got Demko and Nett. We're going to turn it around quickly. We're going to bring in Tockett and teach him how to play with structure. And we're going to go. Not advocating for it. Maybe even playing okay. devil's advocate right now. But that's what I... Th- so I don't see Miller or Demko getting moved. Why are there so many reports out there that Demko is, or or that JT Miller is available and the Canucks are willing to... Like Frank just came on our show and said the Canucks are willing to trade JT Miller, but then he added the caveat that like they're going to need someone back to play center. Because I think it goes back a to what we've said from day one is that everything outside of Hughes and Pedersen should be on the table, and you got to take calls on everybody. The plan is the plan until it's not the plan. I know this sounds like a word salad, but if someone, for example, let's say that Steve Eiserman had no interest in trading Philip Hronik at this deadline. But then all of a sudden, a particular team said, we'll give you a first-round pick in this year's draft, potentially, and a second-round pick for that player. Well, the plan changes. So if someone's going to offer you, if you're going to knock your socks off, great, trade them. Here's the thing. I don't think anyone's knocking their socks off. I think the calls that are coming in on Miller mm-hmm. are, as you put it a couple days ago, vultures circling for a cheap deal. Do you think, then, that when we bring back the question to does next season matter? Does next season matter for the Vancouver Canucks? Oh yeah. Yeah. When Rick Tockett says that what's going on right now is training camp for next year, Mm -hmm. you know that next year matters. So we're going to basically do a reboot of this season. Like they got to make the playoffs. That was fun, right? Is anyone, is anyone going to provide the the Bruce Boudreaux soundbite? If if we don't make the playoffs, it'll be a disaster. By the way, he was right about that. It has been a disaster. You know what? Bruce was very (laughs) accurate in his assessment of how the year was going to go. Okay. We got to go to break. We'll come back more hockey talk, more Canucks talk and more Halford and Bruff to come. It's Alfred and Bruff show on Sportsnet 650. Hitting the most important topics for Vancouver sports fans. The people's show with Vic Nazar. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or or wherever you get your podcasts. Seven thirty-two on a Thursday. Happy Thursday, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet six fifty. Halford and Bruff in the morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Accurate Dealers. Experience a Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Accurate Dealer today. Hour two of this show. You're listening to it right now. Hour two is brought to you by North Star Metal Recycling, Vancouver's premier metal recycler, pays the highest prices on scrap metal. 
North Star Metal Recycling, they recycle, you get paid. Visit them at 1170 Powell Street in Vancouver. I'm slightly thrown off. I'm you, a, you kept me in suspense there. Like, well, brought to you by. I'm, roll, I'm looking at the screen. Oh, God, of my computer the, shut down. <laughs> the live stream. And it says on the phone, Brendan Batchelor. But, but now it's off the screen. So that kind of threw me for a loop. I was like, wait a minute. But Batch isn't joining us until 8 o'clock, right? Correct. Were you just testing out the on-screen I graphics? I probably just hit a button by accident. See if you're paying attention. I am paying attention. I like looking at ourselves while we talk. It's fun. I like the live stream. You should watch it. Download Sportsnet now. It's an app. We're available on it. You can, wa- In addition to hearing us, you can now watch us. Do you want to watch two guys split screen? Move very little for three hours. <laughs> they yell at each other a lot off the air, like when their mics are off. So it's kind of entertaining. We don't fight that much anymore. We're too old. We're too old and tired. Like an old worn out tire. Uh, did you watch any of the Oilers and the Leafs last night? Yeah, the Leafs suck. It's awesome. New look Leafs got bombed. What was it, 5-1? How much panic is there going to be in Toronto about the goaltending situation there? I hope the panic gets to the point where Kyle Dubas goes out before the deadline tomorrow and makes a goalie trade. Well, the funniest thing would be if he did do that, that's a direct acknowledgement that he doesn't have the faith in Samsonov or Matt Murray. But that's fine because he all the moves that he's made so far. And then Samsonov will be like, you said you had confidence in me. Well, yeah, like Pierre Engvall on the way out. He's like, I thought you liked me. But like it, <laughs> Everything that Dubas has done, and I guess this is one of the unforeseen circumstances of being as bold and aggressive as it is, is it kind of makes everybody say, oh, what was, what was wrong with the, the, the team that you had currently constructed? You obviously didn't think it was good enough to win in the playoffs. That's why you've made Sandine expendable and Engvall and everyone else that went out the door. Mm-hmm. So if that's the, if that's the case, then why not apply that to the goaltending? You could just look at Samsonov and Murray and say, Hey guys, you did a great job this regular season. But I'm terrified of you in the playoffs. <laughs> Samsonov, I don't know what to expect from you. Murray, you're probably going to get hurt either before or during the playoffs. You're currently hurt. Yeah, right? So I, it, it's not that big of a stretch mm-hmm. to think that you may as well just go get, I don't know, Jonathan Quick. Did you see uh, the quotes coming out of Edmonton? Speaking of goaltending worries, uh, they were talking to Jack Campbell about playing the Leafs, and he was like, Oh, it's always, you know, it's always a privilege when, you know, uh, one of the best teams in the NHL comes in. Obviously, this is my old team. I got a lot of buddies on that team. Mm -hmm. I'd love to, I'd love to go out and and battle against, against my buddies. And then like three hours later, it was like Stuart Skinner will start in goal for the Edmonton Oilers, not Jack Campbell. Woodcroft looked Campbell dead in the eyes. He's like. You're not playing tonight. I, I that's how like, I like think, to imagine do, it went down. I mean, do you think Skinner's going to be Laddie? We're going to bring you in this because it's goalie talk. Okay, who's going to be the starting goalie for Edmonton in Game One? That's going to be Stuart Skinner. You think yeah, he's gonna absolutely. Be Skinner? I yeah. said last year he's their most talented guy in the system. They did not need to bring in Jack. Campbell. And how should they feel about Stuart Skinner being their starter in Game One of the playoffs? Obviously, it's not a perfect situation. He's not a guy with a ton of experience that mm-hmm. you'd like to have in there, but I. I think he's a perfectly capable goaltender. I think he'd be fine. Toronto, who's going to be their starting goalie for Game One against Ooh. Tampa Bay? If I had my way, uh, no, 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 no. I don't, I don't want to hear your Drant's opinion. <laughs> I want to hear who do you think is going to be guys start the starter? It's going to be Samsonov. That's the guy so? that they've put their confidence in, and he's been okay this year, and that's good enough for Kyle Dubas. Okay in goal is his goal. So. Samsonov. I don't know if it's oh, Samsonov. Man. I was I way know. off. <laughs> I want to talk to Samsonov. Uh, Connor Crandall. I don't know if he's done. 
And just for the reasons that I said, I think that if you're going to go and completely overhaul your roster, what's the one thing right now that will sink Kyle Dubas, both in terms of his job and employment and reputation? A goalie meltdown in the playoffs? Yeah, really. <laughs> it's going like, to happen. That's, like, that's really the only thing, because if the players um, if the players don't play well, the core guys don't play well, there will be 1,000% of the blame will be put on those players because but. I think Dubas has done everything he can to um, – and I'm talking about the skaters here. Yeah, sure. Give that lineup what it needs in terms of you know toughness. They bring in winning veterans. Like you've got Ryan O'Reilly now who's won a Stanley Cup. You've got Giordano. Like you've got all these – you've got these players that have done it before mm-hmm. and they're quote-unquote hard to play against and, and tough to, to support the core group there. If the core group doesn't get it done – then people will be like, well, that's on Marner or that's on Matthews or whatever. But if the core group plays well and then Samsonov or or Matt Murray or whoever's in goal for the Toronto Maple Leafs doesn't get it done, people will be like, uh, this was obvious to everyone that you needed to go out and get a goalie. So here's my – this is the Halford spicy caliente take. Kyle Dubas goes out and gets UC Soros out of Nashville. That's the play. <laughs> He puts like no premium. How? He like puts now? no premium yeah, in goalies. Right now. For Why how? would he go out how? and get a Just goalie? Just trade like, whatever how? you need. Trade whatever you got to do to do it. He doesn't have confidence in his his goalie evaluation. Why would he put so much You don't stock? need to evaluate. UC Saros is awesome. He Nashville's is. Go- I agree. That's Nashville's that's going nowhere. Arguing Nashville's here. got a scar off the next goalie of the future already. Do whatever you got to do. You're already trading everything to get no, better anyway. It's not going to happen. Go do it. It's not going to happen. No, it's not going to do it. should happen. They got to listen to me. Okay. I know things. All right. You don't know much. I do stuff. Uh, let's get back to the Philip Horonic trade. Horonic. Um, so here's a question. How much is this going to move the needle for the Canucks? If you want to think about it this way, the Canucks traded Horvat for Horonic, Horvat for Horonic, and then got Beauvillier and Ratu for a second-round draft pick, if you want to think about it that way. Sure. How much better are the Canucks now? They've moved out a very good center, um, hopefully brought in a very good right-shot defenseman, plus they added uh, a piece in Beauvillier, who seems to be playing pretty well, although he's getting prime opportunities on the power play and playing with Pedersen. And Ratu, who is a long-term project that, I think you'd be very optimistic to think that he's going to impact the Canucks as soon as next season. So if the trade had been Horvat for those three, and then a downgrade, and you'd go from a second-round pick to a fourth-round pick, um, the Canucks are better, not by a ton, but because they actually got a defenseman. Like, we had the conversation yeah. last week. Do you remember this when we were talking about who were the keepers on the Canucks' defense? Yes. And we're like, yes. it's Quinn Hughes. And there was a long, awkward pause that nobody filled. And it was like, and I guess yes, Ethan Bear? <laughs> sure. So you could, if you want to do some real mental calisthenics here and really like do some big brain stuff, you could mm. say that right now they've got uh, half of each pairing that they need. They have ha- If Heronic doesn't play with Hughes, let's just say he gets his own pair. Right. He's allowed to have his own. Then you've got half of your first pair with Hughes. Half of your second pair with Heronic, half of your third pair with Bear. Mm-hmm. That rhymed. And then you're like, okay, now you just got to do the other half. And that's what Patrick Elvine and Jim Rutherford are going to set out to do, I think. Mm-hmm. I will say this. 
the state of the Canucks defense got better. And I will give credit because I remember when they when they were accumulating picks and I said, you know, you could always just use these picks at the draft table. And maybe a young player is unearthed, not unlike what happened with the Kirby Doc and Alexander Romanoff trade last year at the draft. I didn't think that they would turn around and trade that first round pick so quickly. I also didn't think that Hronik would shake loose. I thought that he'd be Be a, honest, how much had you even thought about Philip Hronik? I didn't think until yesterday. Well, I didn't think he'd be available. No, just in life. Well, like that one time where I was looking at point producers. <laughs> and so actually when I mentioned that, I did I did, I looked at him a little closer, like I mean very yeah. basic like sure. counting stats. And I'm like, "Oh, this guy plays a ton, mm-hmm. but he played uh, for he played a ton for a bad team. So you have right. to take that this with a year, grain though. of salt. But like this year, they're fine. They're not great, but they're not yeah, terrible. They're fine. Yeah. And I, I remember thinking, I'm like, oh, that's interesting. He's a, mm-hmm. he's a relatively high pick. He's kind of maturing into this player. But then I looked at the rest of the team, and I'm like, I didn't really think they'd ever move him because, again, young right-handed shooting defensemen, you just like those are gold. You don't move them. Yeah. But when it was explained to me further, I kind of asked around and read some stuff. They have the capabilities to replace him. Mm-hmm. In the system. In the system. In the system, yeah. I don't know if they have that for, like, Mo Sider, who is all-world. Right. Peronik's really good. Mm-hmm. He's not going to be Sider, and he plays the same side of Sider. I got a lot of rhyming. and Anyway. He gets quite a few points on the power play. He does. Which, which I think is interesting, because how much time is he going to get on the power play in Vancouver with Quinn Hughes running it? Mm, yeah, not much, they're right? not going to go to like a two defense gold school, two defensemen on the power play. Um, I do wonder if Quinn Hughes will be paired with Horonic. I'm not going to wonder too much about that because <laughs> we always do this thing yeah. and then like <laughs> the pairs get split. And it's the same with forward line combinations. Like we go through in the preseason, we'll go through the combinations of lines endlessly for an entire month and then there's like one injury or one guy doesn't show up and doesn't play very well or one guy overperforms and then all of a sudden you've got a line like oh wait a minute I didn't see the Ratu Beauvillier you know like combination (laughs) I was like yeah because they weren't on the team you know like things change really quick in the NHL but um, the Canucks still need another at least one more top four defenseman yeah and I wonder if they're going to be able to find it because this always brings us back to the whole question of what can they trade? And what did they trade to get a youngish, 25 years old, um, in his prime, right shot defenseman, who is by no means a superstar, but a good player? Mm-hmm. Well, they traded the first round draft pick that they acquired. And that is something that Canucks fans really, really coveted. They were like, I love this first-round draft pick. I want to marry this first-round draft pick, or at least want to date the first-round draft pick, Yeah, take it out for a nice dinner. They coveted that. Mm-hmm. How many things do the Canucks have that they covet that, they'd be, like, that they can trade or that they'd be willing to trade? They're not going to trade Petey. They're not going to trade Hughes. It brings you to things like J.T. Miller. Okay, if they trade him, how much is he worth? Because he comes with that contract and he's not getting any younger. Demko? Mm-hmm. And am I even going to bring it up? If you don't, am I'm going I to. Am I even so. going to? Okay, you bring it up. Sweet. Let's say, let's say, by the way, <laughs> did you notice how Ottawa, the, the, the pick that they protected, how much they protected was the first five picks of the draft, right? Yep. In the chicken trade. 
I think that tells you something about the draft. Yeah. There are five players that are considered really, really good. So this is so a, this let's a roundabout say, way. So of let's life. say, mm-hmm. let's say the Canucks draft seventh. Yep. Let's say sixth or seventh. So they're out of that top five. Uh-huh. Would they? Oh yeah, for sure, hundred percent. Why would they not? How many times have I used the phrase "in for a dime, in for a dollar" this week? <laughs> this is what it's all about. If you're willing to move. In for a penny, in for a pound, by the way. I prefer that, okay. that saying. In like uh, a lamb, out like a lion. Yeah. All that's of what I was waiting for. Yeah. You just make them up on your own. Uh, look, again, big picture, conceptually, you have to say yes when asked that question. You have to answer in the affirmative. Because otherwise, the whole plan makes no sense. And, I mean, Canucks put their balls on the table yesterday. They moved one of those first-round picks to get the exact kind of player that they said they were going to get. Yeah. Right? That's what they did. Just dropped them on the table. It's very graphic. Well, I mean, yeah. I do think that's what, that's why, though. Like, I, I look at the two assets that are most likely to, to, to trade for a good defenseman. I bet there's right? no more prize a- asset in the organization right now than the Canucks' first-round pick. I think it might be Demko. Could yeah, you know, Demko could get you a good defenseman. Yeah. Yeah, but okay, okay. The real Demko wild is your best defense. The real wild one is if they would uh, put no protection on it. They're like, we're gonna give you no, no way a lottery no, ticket. No, 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 no. And no, you're no, gonna no, give no. us no. They won't. They won't. Cider. Just don't even. Just don't they even bring it that. Up. You gotta bring, you gotta go no, top no, no. five protected. No, no, no. They won't. Um, and just like I, Ottawa, did. I, I still wonder about this. Um, trade Demko for something significant, and then bring in Tristan Jari. Because there's the connection. There's so many connections. Like the, the, the Rutherford and Alvin know Tristan Jari. Um, and he's a local kid. And he's got good numbers. He's a good he's a good like how how would you rank Laddie? How would you rank Tristan Jari? Where does he rank? Like well, how can you compare him to Demko? Like it, let's say let's say the Canucks, let's say, just talking this out here, let's say the Canucks were to trade Demko for a good young defenseman like Hironic. So they've added another top four defenseman. And then they sign Tristan Jari. Are they a better team next season? Oh, man, that's a really tough one. I, I really like Jari, and I think he's a capable starter in this league for a lot of teams. But there's some limitations to his game, and I don't think Demko has those same limitations. I think his ceiling's a bit higher. Mm-hmm. And when you talk to Woodley, I think he, he talks about a lot of the physical limitations that Jari has. He's just not the same type of goalie as Demko is. Right. He's just not a, I don't know if he's in the elite class. He's he's very consistent. And he's very, you know, he's, he's perfect for a really good team. You know, if you just need a guy who will, who will get you over get the hump, done, he's, yeah. he's the guy. And I think he's capable of that. But overall, are they better with Jari instead of Demko in the goal? I don't think so. Now, people will scream at us and be like, why would you trade Demko? Because they don't have many tradable assets to improve the team. They just traded a first-round draft pick, and everyone freaked out. I want to bring it back for those that were are just joining us. I know there's a lot of people that expected, oh, the Halford and Bruff show is going to rip the rip the Canucks apart for for this trade. Um, big picture wise, we haven't agreed with this team's philosophy for a decade now, and we still don't. But I'm not going to come here and rant and rave about them executing the plan that they said they would execute. Mm-hmm. My ranting and raving was finished 
when they said this is a retool, not a rebuild. Like I, do you know what I mean? Like you, they 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 came on and they said, yeah. they're like, we're not rebuilding, we're gonna retool, and they said. We're going to look for reclamation projects and we're going to look for players 25 and under and we're going to try and turn this team around in a year or two. I was done with my ranting and raving. I was like, okay, they put their plan in. Let, and, and then what we said was, let's see how the plan works. When- because, and, and, then, and then you judge the plan. And I said, I think it's highly unlikely that they're going to succeed with this because I think it's very tough to turn around a team with the type of challenges that the Canucks have, no cap space, bad contracts, uh, not many prospects that are, that are, that are, that are ready to, to fill in all the holes that this mm-hmm. roster has. But let's see if they can do it. They got a guy that likes to make a lot of trades, uh, and they're making a lot of trades. And, you know, after, when it's all said and done uh, in a year or two, if the team hasn't turned around, I'll be the first in line to say I told you so. But but the trade yesterday, I had all, all my like all my buddies were texting me like, "What are these guys doing?" And my response was exactly what they said they'd do. Nothing like the time happened. to get outraged was when they said it's going to be a retool, not a rebuild. Unless you thought they were lying. This is- you may not have ranted today, but you did say the word no eleven times. We counted in the span of two and a half seconds when you were talking. One and about a half it. seconds. Was it one? One point six seconds. It was incredible. It was when? like it was almost sing song. You could play back. No, uh, no, 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 no. <laughs> oh, that, that was that was when Halford was was thinking of trading an unprotected first round draft pick. <laughs> yes. In no, the, no, no, in, no, 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 no. Eleven times in one point six. In the Connor, no, 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 In the Connor Bedard draft. I was merely pointing out that when we were talking about the most tradable asset that they have, I've never heard someone say no that many times. I think it was actually it was when I was. You told me not to go on my Drantz rant. That's when it was. Yeah. I was going to say what I want the least. The Drantz rant is always like I'll be like I'll. I'll ask Durant. I'll be like, "What do you think they're going to do here?" And he'll be like, "Here's what I do." Yeah, I don't want to hear that, Durant. What do you think they're going to do? So, what reality are we going to be I'm living in? So because the Canucks glad, clearly yeah. don't. The Canucks clearly don't. They're not in lockstep with the rebuild. They aren't in lockstep with the rebuild. They don't want to rebuild. They don't want to rebuild. They don't want to rebuild. They want to retool. They don't want to rebuild. So I'm glad you brought I'm up. Confused by this? Could you clarify, please? They do not. <laughs> I'm gonna write they this down. do not Where's want to rebuild. I'm glad you brought up the Drance part of this, though, because um, that's a perfect example. Like, I love the guy, and I think he's really smart, and I think he's uh, done a very good job of identifying what's a good path and what's not a good path. But there seems to be a real inevitability that um, he's always going to put his idea. First, and then not really. I mean, and and that's fine because he comes at this from a totally different vein that we do. Yeah. But for me, I'm like, when he was talking about how brilliant it was that the Canucks were shorting the Islanders, I didn't say, I was just sitting there. I'm like, that's not what they're doing, man. <laughs> like, I get that you think that's what they're doing, but that's not what they're doing. They're not. Like, they're just not. They never had any intention of sitting around for a couple years. To see how that situation yeah. was going to play out, there was no long-term Michael Burry-esque look at the market to figure out how you can maximize <laughs> and take advantage of inefficiencies. It wasn't that Patrick Alvine is playing the drums really loudly, it waiting just, for the market to change. Yeah, it just wasn't that Patrick Alvine got that pick, and again, hindsight being twenty twenty, it's easy to say this, but he got that pick, and he was like, "This is another tool for me to retool this thing quickly," and that's all it came down to, and. 
you know, honestly, someone texted in earlier, and I thought it was very, it's like, I don't necessarily love how it's going, but damn it if it isn't entertaining to watch it burn. And honestly, it is. I don't know if it's burning, but this is a, when we say, when we hear the organization say we're going to do major surgery, and then we sit back and we say, okay, let's see some major surgery. And then the organization responds by doing the major surgery. You got to watch and it becomes very interesting. This is going to be an incredible, incredible plan to watch play out because it's so risky and it needs so many things to work. And they are taking huge chances. They're taking huge swings. They're throwing huge uppercuts Mm -hmm. at it. And God bless them because I don't remember. uh, I don't remember a season where I've seen more profound change from the organization. Just think about this. Since the season started in October, the head coach has been changed. The captain has been traded. They acquired a first-round pick, then traded that first-round pick. All in the span of, like, six months. Yeah. Like, there has been fundamental change. Mm-hmm. So major surgery has happened, and we're here to watch it and kind of go through the process. And then guess what's next, I guess. Which is why I- I'm with you on one thing. Nothing can be ruled out right now. We're not trying to trade Thatcher Demko. We're just looking at what's happened and saying, hey, if all these other moves can happen, why can't this happen? JT Miller, Connor Garland, Brock Besser, really everyone not named, I think, Pedersen and Hughes. Marty the Red texts in and says, I love you boys, but can we stop saying they as if we all don't know that decisions are made by ownership? I think it's a little more complicated than that. Yep. I think this is what Jim Rutherford and Patrick Alvin want to do. I honestly do. Jim Rutherford, this is the way he has operated his entire career. He is not a patient guy. He likes to make a lot of trades. He doesn't want any part of a full rebuild. But he's the type of guy that ownership is going to to hire because when he goes to the interview and says, look at what you got here, I think this team – while it might not get turned around in six months, I think you got some pieces here that we can build around and we can put together a good team with Elias Pettersson and Quinn Hughes as the building blocks and maybe Thatcher Demko Mm -hmm. and maybe JT Miller with a little more structure, a new coach. You can have something here. The type of people that get hired by this ownership group are people that say, Things can improve, and they can improve relatively quickly. John Tortorella is the type of head coach that you hire when you want an immediate result. Yep. I, 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 Jim I, Benning I, stuck around as general manager for longer than he should have. And you know why? Because he always thought it was just around the corner that the Canucks were going to emerge as a contender. And the people that said otherwise – they aren't with the organization. Our organization. This is how yeah. the Canucks operate. Our organizational identity, and I'm using the royal we now, but it's <laughs> constantly stepping on the accelerator. That's what it is. It doesn't matter where you are in your evolution. There's always the accelerator to slam your foot down on. Seven years in a row. 
Yeah. You could point to a trade or an acquisition almost every year where whether they're ready or not, it was go time. Yeah, ready or not, here I come. <laughs> well, we're not ready. Whoa! <laughs> can we make that the slogan for <laughs> when they can have on the shirts next year? Ready or not, here I come. Ready or not, on the wall we... at Rogers Arena, ready Instead or not. Instead of unfinished business, it's ready or not, oh here we Oh my God, that would be the best slogan. Ready or not, here we come. It's just Wiley Coyote slamming into the wall that he thinks a tunnel. <laughs> How do we pitch this to them? <laughs> <laughs> You're listening to the Halford and Brush Show on Sportsnet 650. <laughs> no, 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 no,